The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And hopefully all of you, all of us, it's been quite a crazy couple of weeks or more than that. But anyway, um, have got battery power so you can listen to the radio to keep you going through these dark days of early spring pretty much going into the summer. So we're not going to talk about the craziness that load shedding has brought to our lives, the schedules that have to be rearranged, the cold meals. We're becoming cold meal experts with uh, the lack of power to do what we need to do in the home over the next little while. And to be honest, it is really spoiling my gadget party. Having being, uh, having power all the time is sort of a prerequisite in the modern age of all sorts of gizmos and gadgets and connected services. And truly, the hassles that we've been having around the mobile network struggling to keep their, their high-end 5G, or even their 3G towers up and running certainly hasn't helped, certainly made my life a little bit more difficult in everything that I do, and I'm sure yours as well. But let's not uh, focus on, on all the negatives. Let's just uh, hope and pray that our power continues to come on a, a regular basis over the next couple of months, and then we can get to play with all the latest products and, and gizmos that um, I'm going to get to talk about. So interesting news this week from Intel. Now, Intel is one of those companies that has sort of been around since the dawn of the the computer age. They created the first microprocessors. They were cutting edge in so many aspects of the growth of computing in the global world. And I mean, the whole Intel inside sort of mirrored the, um, it's not inside, it's on top from uh, Cremora type, if those of you can remember that advert. But the simple fact was that Intel, as a company, pretty much single-handedly drove, along with uh, with uh, Windows, then it got actually called Wintel, but the two of them drove the microcomputing and mini-computing and laptop computing environment for so many years. Along came a couple of competitors in the in the desktop workspace from AMD, but then the mobile revolution changed absolutely everything and pretty much spoiled Intel's run. They tried their best to get into mobile, but they never made it. They had all the patents, they had all the technology. I just think they missed something and never caught up. They bought companies, they bought radio companies that managed mobile chipsets. None of it stuck, none of it worked, and the big guys um, such as Qualcomm completely creamed them. Apple as well. Apple used to use Intel radio chips. They now do their own. So Intel lost completely and effectively it pulled out of the whole mobile generation of of computing chips and computing products. But they are still one of the most preferred providers of desktop and and data center chip manufacturers out there. And they've been through a rather quiet period. None of us have heard much from them. They've not done a hell of a lot of stuff. But they've just unveiled their 13th gen Raptor Lake desktop processors. And from the face of it, it looks like they are gonna, they've really caught up. They've caught a wake up. They've really figured stuff out. And they've released 22 new processors. Six of them, if you're a gamer, completely and utterly unlocked for, for the gamers amongst you. And the top of the line 
their 13900K, they call it, Core i9. 24 cores, 32 threads, lots of power, so you need a big power supply and a big box, but clock speeds up to 5.8 gigahertz. Now, I know that's all tech speak. It probably means nothing to you, but that's probably now one of the most powerful processors on the market. And they are, they are starting to adapt some of the cores or some of the processors that the mobile guys. So it's got eight cores are for performance and 16 cores for efficiency, whereas mobile used to be four and four cores. So the whole structure and nature of the processors has changed, and we're definitely going to see some massive improvements. And those of you who still use desktop processors and mobile processors, they've completely revamped their range with the latest sort of technologies, the caches, that's the little short-term memory that uses to work to make the processes work extremely quickly, have been bumped up by twice the amount from previous generations, and they're level one, level, level one memory, level two memory, level three memory, all these memories, but they all add to the speed at which data can be fed to and from the processes, have all been increased to give better uh, performance, and also they support the latest generation of DDR5 memory for you geeks out there who know what I'm talking about. Obviously, faster, better bandwidth, the quicker the memory can 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 hold and, you know, deliver memory or deliver data through the memory, the better the performance of the overall computer will be. And a whole new, obviously, a whole new chipset, which motherboards and all the manufacturers are going to have to use to take full advantage of these new new processors. However, one interesting <coughs> factor is that they've made them backwards compatible with the older processors as well. So I, and here's where it gets super interesting. AMD have recently launched their Ryzen 7000 series. Now AMD are their biggest competitor in the space and their pricing was always very competitive, but Intel's pricing have actually undercut in some places AMD. So the war is on for you gamers out there. Anyone who's interested in that, you'll probably be able to get really high-end processors. They're not cheap. So the top end will cost about 15,500 Rand for a processor, but it will be cheaper than the uh, AMD one. But obviously, you always need to check that out, and it looks like there's some, some game on, and it's a great thing because Intel were too big to be sitting on their laurels. They were too smart with too much research and it, it actually will help the entire industry to move forward with better, bigger, and cooler processors on every single front. So kudos to Intel. Well done for catching a wake-up and getting out there. And uh, let's see what's happening with the latest and greatest in, um, in, in chipsets and uh, computers going forward. Now, another really good news story is the new Equiano cable has landed in... South Africa, that's a Google managed cable, and it has massively, massively increased the capacity of international um, data capacity on, on cables to the African continent and certainly to South Africa. The net effect is, in this world of crazy rising prices of everything, the cost and the capacity and the quality of your, your fiber connection and all data connections in South Africa should improve over the next little while. So prices may not go up, but they certainly, in the context of the inflation and everything that's going on with prices rising everywhere, data prices will effectively be coming down. I've always said that that would happen both on mobile and on fixed. 
and you'll be able to get a slightly lower latency connection. That's the speed that the, the data takes to reach a server in Europe or America and back, which is great for voice. It's great for a lot of applications which need instant response because if it takes time for the keystroke to reach the server and the server to respond to you, it feels like there's a, a lag in the system, which we don't like. But another good news thing is that during the course of next year, a massive new cable from Facebook is also on its way. So the, there is really, for the, for the first time in quite a while, there's a massive explosion in data capacity coming into the country. And that will definitely, definitely cut the cost of, of fiber and improve the quality of the international speeds because it's a long gripe I've had with our fiber providers. They've always said you get a one gig connection, but when you check that, you do get a one gig connection, but that's to the server sitting at Vumatel or at your service provider around the corner, which is great. But um, <laughs> when you try to test that same speed to New York or London or anywhere outside of South Africa, obviously using these international cables, you land up with 120, 160, 180, um, instead of 1,000, which you theoretically are paying for. But all the net, all the sort of commercial providers tell you that, or the home providers of Fiverr tell you, it's a best effort service. So you have to pretty much accept it. And the reason why they, they contend, or the reason why they throttle the international is because the price is high. Now, all these new cables coming in, will definitely, the Equiano and the Two Africa cable from Google, will definitely bring um, a lower cost of international bandwidth and hopefully improve the quality and the speed of the connection going forward. So stay tuned. I think we're going to see some really good deals coming from our fiber providers, as long as the power keeps going. And um, we'll be able to use uh, faster, better quality internet at, if not the same price, certainly a lower price going forward over the next little while. Now we are going to take a break in a few minutes and we're going to talk about um, Nokia. I've got a very brief clip, met their, their marketing team at IFA in Berlin. I know that was a couple of weeks ago, but we sort of not had a gap to get this out there. And Nokia have been a long-standing provider of really good quality uh, devices. But the history of Nokia is quite interesting. They were number one for many, many, many years until the touchscreen phone from Apple pretty much killed them. Um, from 2007 all the way through till about 2013, Nokia slowly faded away as all these fancy touchscreen phones came on the market and Nokia really couldn't compete. Also the heyday of BlackBerry. And between the two of them, they pretty much owned the mobile uh, device industry. It was always cool to get the latest Nokia phone. For a while, they moved across to Microsoft, tried to sell a whole host of Windows phones, which were great in some respects, but pretty crippled compared to Android and iOS, which were years and years ahead in development and, and apps and everything. And they slowly faded away. But then it was sold back to a Finnish team with the manufacturer in China, and they brought out a whole range of Android phones with a very simple offer. Clean Android, great um, construction, great design, great uh, livability and quality. And um, we're going to be talking to their marketing manager in Europe, and he'll tell us all about some of their new offerings. And then it's a short clip, and then I'll be just going through some of the new products that should hit the market 
very soon. So on that note, we will be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And here in Berlin with Nokia. Oh God, I've gone blank. I'm with... Adam Ferguson. Adam Ferguson. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Okay, we start again. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe. And we're in Berlin with Adam, Adam Ferguson from Nokia. Now, Adam, welcome, and tell us a little Thank bit about the, the stuff that you're introducing. First and foremost, one of the more interesting things is a whole sustainability leasing model around the devices. Give us a little bit of insight. I know it's not coming to South Africa from our conversation for now, but tell us the thinking behind it. How did it come about, and where do you see it going? Yeah, thanks, Dean. Real pleasure to be here with you. So, Circular fundamentally started from a desire to help our users keep their devices for longer. It's something that is very inherent in the Nokia phone DNA anyway, durable devices that go the distance. Lots of upgrades. Yeah, absolutely. So it really started from how do we actually reward people for doing that? And then how do we use all of these fantastic emerging um, business models, things like subscription, that kind of stuff, to actually then bring a lot of the strength of those to our users, You know, the, the control, the ease, the peace of mind, that kind of thing. So that's where Circular came about. That's where the seeds of tomorrow as a concept came about. So these are the the seeds that are earned every six months um, as part of the Circular program. And they can be invested by our users in a selection of globally focused, uh, eco-friendly and humanitarian causes. So they get a phone, they get a membership to this type of, of, of platform and then can do some good of their choice within a selected number of partners. And, and that's exactly it, right? And uh, and then the second part of it is that when they, the life cycle of that phone, when it's, you know, it's no longer of use to them, we, we take responsibility for it. We take the device back. Now, okay. if it can still be used again, maybe it will go on to have another life in the program. Maybe it will go to charity to be used for um, you know, causes for, for people who, who need connectivity. Um, and then ultimately, at the very end, when it can no longer be used as a device, we take it back, we break it down, we recycle those components and those materials, and it goes back into the so ecosystem. So you close the loop. Yes, it's about, it's about the, the whole circular uh, ecosystem. You know, it's, it's circular by name and circular by nature, right? Um, and it's about limiting e-waste. And so, so that, those are the two halves of the program, really. Brilliant. Well, look, let's hope it comes to South Africa Absolutely. at some point. But for now, it sounds like quite a cool initiative. And tell us how that sort of rolled into your new products, because there's a whole sort of thinking going on here of sustainability, longevity, creating products that deliver the goods now and last within the context of of technology, which is always moving crazily fast. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good way of putting it. The the sustainability focus very much comes alive in the devices as well. Take uh, the X35G, Which is your new top-end device. Which is our new, yeah, the top of our X-series, which is our sort of highest series of devices. Um, That's coming in, and it has things like, you know, the aluminium that's used in the device, 100% recycled. The, the, the polycarbonate, the plastic that's used in the device, 65% recycled. You know, we're really trying to focus on the big instances of these important materials and make sure that they are recycled going into the device. And then you've got all these other programs and things that allow us to take it back and recycle it afterwards. It's trying to create this continuous loop. That's that's the big focus. The X30 also actually brings our best ever pure view photography, um, which is something that our users have been telling us is very, very important to them. So it's got an amazing uh, 50 megapixel camera with the OIS uh, built in, the optical image stabilizer. 
organization um, and it's got a, a massive sensor so 1 to 157 uh, is the ratio for, for those of your listeners that are interested into their, their camera the and their tech yeah yep. exactly um, and it's, it's, it's got really big pixels as well which uh, you know sounds like jargon but actually is super important um, so they're, they're, they're full micron big pixels and then with something called 4-in-1 pixel binning that actually increases the pixels even further and it's all supported by uh, flagship level computational photography which has given us a whole load of new modes to present to our users capture fusion which you know brings the power of the main camera to your ultra wide shots so that the center of them has really got that high level of detail because people take wide wide angle photos they want the detail on the sides but then there's always that central point that holds their photos together and then you've got an increased night mode um, that, that comes together in, in both dark vision so dark settings and, and night selfie mode and to, to really help uh, in, in low light settings. So there's a, a big focus on the POV photography as well, but it is the most eco-friendly phone that we've ever created. And a lot of that flows into the second device that we're launching, which is the G65G. Now this is also got a massive- Before I go there, I just yeah, want sure. to say that this is gonna be a mid-priced phone, your top end. Yeah, so right. I'll, so I'll give you a, it's a global- It's a flagship type of quality, but a mid-price type device. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, if I, if I were to give you a, a global average mm. RRP, it would be somewhere in the region of 529 euros. That's where it's coming in at. Um, but it is bringing this amazing photography and this massive focus on sustainability. And just to add, I played with it, and it feels every bit, bit as good as it sounds. Oh, that's really so good So how's that for a quick, Quick hands-on endorsement. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, so you're moving on to the next device that you introduced. Yeah, absolutely. This, the second device is the G65G, and a lot of that actually flows through. The main focus here is about bringing as many of the promises and that really high-level stuff that we put into the X-Series into our G-Series as well, which is sort of the heartland of our devices, right? So, for example, you know, the, the G60 is going to be the first of the G-Series phones to benefit from the three-year warranty that we're bringing in. Um, and and a lot of the other stuff that we talked about on the X30, so the high level of recycled materials, that's coming as well. 60% recycled plastic in the G65G. Um, and all of those photography modes that we talked about, they're coming in uh, as well. So, so really it's about us trying to ensure that people can you know, live up to that promise of keeping your phone for longer all the way down through our series. Um, and if I were to give you again a, a global indicative price, uh, it would be about 319 Which euros. Which is very well priced for the quality and the feel and it the is. technology you've built into yeah, that device. I mean, just to touch a little bit on the tech side of things, it's powered by the Snapdragon 695 5G chipset, which at this price point is phenomenal, right? And so it's delivering really, really good performance at that level as well, so yeah. And then the last device was pretty interesting too, because that, just before you get anywhere, is really well priced in terms of what it delivers. Yeah, so it's the, I mean, it, you know, it's potentially one of the most important phones that we're launching, right? When you look at what's happening in the world and the, you know, the various financial crises and things, um, the C31 is really trying to live up to the C-series promise of delivering phones that are durable, that go the distance, and that deliver these Android experiences that make the most of people's 
storage and their data, because there's less stuff running in the background, because there are fewer preloads, all of this kind of stuff, it actually uses up a little bit of less of people's data. It means you know the, the battery life can go longer. Point. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and it uses less of the storage because at that entry level, um, you know, you really are trying to combine uh, every element that you can to drive value, and it means that some people sometimes choose lower memory configurations, which is totally valid, right? It's absolutely fine. But then you need to have less stuff loaded on it that's using up less in the background, so you've got more for the stuff you want as a user, right? Good point. So, so all of that stuff goes into what makes a C-series phone, and the C31 is really a, a, you know, sort of the, the pinnacle of that. Um, you, know, you, you mentioned the, the good price, give you that global in, indication again, 100 and, 130, 129 euros, beg your pardon. Um, and yeah, it's just trying to cram in everything we can. It's got triple um, rear camera, uh, you know, along with the selfie one as well. It's powered by camera from Google. So you know it's a reliable experience from that side of things. So yeah, the, uh, the, the entire thing is really us just trying to put in everything we can without losing sight of the fact that the C-Series uh, is all about um, you know, delivering that excellent value at the end of the day. Wonderful. And the local South African or, or African launch of these devices, do you have any indication? When will people be able to see them on the shelves or, or even get, get so them in their hands? What, what, what I'm uh, fairly confident of is that the, the C31 uh, is coming. I, I'm going to have to defer to my colleagues okay. and friends we'll, in, the, we'll find out. in the team to yeah. get the exact launch dates and times and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, watch, watch this space. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Stephen, it's been my always wonderful pleasure. to meet and see and actually play with the device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we'll follow up with some reviews in due course. Thank lovely. you so much. Lovely. Thanks a lot, Stephen. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. That was a very quick, brief, sharp and short interview. I always try to get, you know, to discuss more things, but it was a pretty hectic period at the show and as you could hear there were so many um, people around who were pretty much meeting in the hallways and it was a very interesting comment that they made around the whole sustainability and circular type environment and the one takeaway which I haven't really spoken about a lot from IFA and from in general looking at what was going on in the consumer and general electronic space from, and as, as some may know, and as I've mentioned in the past, IFA was, is a consumer, a true consumer electronic show. Pretty much everything that was displayed there would or was available already on the shelves across Europe and most of the world and some parts, some items in South Africa for purchase. It's unlike um, CES in Las Vegas where they show you what's coming for the next year and there's a whole host of products that may or may not come to market in the next year if they're not picked up by the various big buyers. So it's very much the future of technology for the next year. Whereas IFA is very, very strongly focused on what's available, what's going to be in the stores over the next three months for the, the sort of Christmas holiday period and what the latest releases from all the the product suppliers are. And sustainability, I mean, obviously, there's an energy crisis in the whole world, nothing to do with what's going on in South Africa. But there has been an energy crunch, there has been an incredible push to sustainability and energy efficiency. And that was already a big deal before the latest madness around the war in Ukraine. 
but it definitely has stepped up a massive notch because remember that sort of kicked off in February of this year. So by the time we got to IFA in September, a lot of companies had relooked at their plans, programs, and, and products. And we're, we're talking all about how long they will last, the whole era of consumerism, buy something, tip it in the bin when you're done with it, or put it in some sort of a recycling bin so you've got tons and tons of electronic waste lying around, has definitely become something that most companies are looking at. And the whole, the whole Nokia circular subscription idea makes so much sense. You buy a phone or you, you get a phone. You waste less. You keep it longer. They maintain it better. You do contribute through your usage to some environmental or other um, other places. And it, it just makes a lot of sense within the context of many countries. South Africa being a vastly prepaid environment perhaps is not the ideal one for that because a lot of people tend to use the circular environment of older phones that pass down or really inexpensive devices that land up in the market from manufacturers known and unknown. But either way, there is a massive amount of environmental waste and lack of recycling within that space, even though it's quite a profitable business recycling electronics, there still needs to be more of a, I think, responsibility taken by the various manufacturers. So if they give you a device which is never actually your device, which should last up to three years with excellent um, performance, the vast majority of, of mobile devices tend to sort of hit the ceiling at about two years. After that, the battery becomes a bit flaky, it seems to lack a lot of speed with the latest apps. You're not getting your Android updates. Things just get a little a little messy. It sort of almost forces you. It feels slow and sluggish and sort of forces you into a new device. Well, that's exactly what Nokia are looking to try end. They guarantee the updates, which is a cool thing. They guarantee all the security updates for a year longer than the actual OS updates. And they also, through this circular sort of plan, is that um, they work closely with the network, so there's SIM plans, there's rapid replacement, so if you lose it or damaged they, or stolen, they um, can replace it really quickly, and they've made it very flexible. You can swap devices up or down, you can cancel your subscription, hand in the phone. So I think this is a model that we're going to see a lot more of. Apple has started something very similar in the US, you can buy phones pretty much from the manufacturer, not from the mobile network in South Africa on the prepaid, um, on the postpaid market, you've always been able to pay off the phone as part of your subscription. But in the prepaid market, that became very difficult. And to get a phone from um, one of the, the, the retailers on a sort of payment plan, it's not quite the same thing. And this is definitely driven by manufacturers, it's different, driven by the mobile industry. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this and make sure that at the end of your usage, that device has to go back or should go back to the um, provider, which will then make sure that it's it's recycled and reprocessed in a sort of environmentally friendly way because um, mobile phones have got a lot of interesting technology in there. There's lithium in the batteries. There's gold in the circuit boards. There's all sorts of glass and other chemicals that are not great for the environment in general. And they do need to be handled in a way that, one, is valuable because you can recover the lithium, you can recover all the rare earth metals and everything. You can also recover bits and pieces that are reusable in other places. 
as well as um, stopping that stuff leaching into the to the land or the with the sea or wherever it goes. So watching this space, we're going to see a I think a much greater pay for use and a closed ecosystem, as they call it, circular. A circular system where you obtain technology, you use the technology for what it's intended for, and you give it back to the creator, the manufacturer, the provider, in a way that closes the loop and keeps that product from lying in your drawer and simply becoming a pile of electronic gear. And I'm sure if all of us went and started cleaning out cupboards and boxes and old storage units, we're going to find a ton of electronics that are completely useless and obsolete. And what do you do with them? You can take them to certain places and dump them in a recycling bin. But the vast majority just lands up in landfill, which is never a very cool and smart way of, of looking at all these things. And having spent some time after the interview playing with the devices, Nokia have kept very, very close to their key offering. They're about, their flagship is about half the price of other flagship, flagships from Samsung and Nokia. And in every respect, they are probably only 90% or 10% less good in certain aspects. The screens were super smooth. The cameras were really good. Certainly on the, in the context of a small screen, you're gonna struggle to see the difference between that and a top-end camera's um, picture. They were fast. The version of Android, the cleanness of Android that they use certainly is appreciated. And um, overall, the benefits and the features are as cutting edge as you're going to get. It's perhaps not the best phone if you're a hardcore mobile gamer, because there are compromises on the processor, memory, and speed on that front. But for general daily use, I opened up a ton of apps, didn't blink on all the models, all the way down to their smaller C31. It really worked extremely well. They were, they were, the screens were good quality, the, the cameras were decent quality, and overall, I think from a trusted brand like Nokia, which a lot of people know, and the pricing, certainly I've seen the pricing in South Africa, their previous generation has been super competitive with all the no-name brands that are out there in the market. So if you're looking for a phone that has a little bit of a sort of a credentials in the the longevity and quality space. I think Nokia are well worth a good look in terms of what they offer. Um, if you're a gadget geek like myself and you've got to have the latest and the, the most expensive and the fanciest and the cutting edge technology, these devices are not for you because they just are one step below that or one step behind the cutting edge curve. But the compromises are few. They've made some very smart choices in terms of what's important the average user and what works extremely well and um, they've, they've kept their pricing extremely competitive we're talking 13 14,000 rand in South Africa for their top-end device um, the x30 which I believe it will be there in in more or less that that space they look good they feel good they've got great cameras they've got very well designed solid aluminium um, casing and overall, with all the, the, the 5G and their pure view cameras, which they've always had a, a big focus on, it becomes an extremely attractive device that certainly you would never be embarrassed to, to use and would not in any way uh, compromise what you, you can achieve when you use a mobile 
uh, sort of a, a, a mobile phone. And all the way down to their least expensive device, again, solid, well-built, and with backing and reliability that comes with the Nokia brand, which you don't often see uh, in many ways across the market. So stay tuned. I think there's a lot coming in that space, but certainly Nokia seem to have grabbed the latest trends, come up with a great range of new products, and they should be on the shelves in South Africa, maybe with the exception of the flagship in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it will be well worth looking at if you're in the, in, the, in the market for a new phone. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors. And I'll come back with some gizmos, gadgets and other things I've been playing with in the next few minutes. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now moving back to gizmos and gadgets, but there you go. Mobile app, Discam, all our retailers trying to make our lives a little easier by getting stuff to you without you getting in the car, braving the traffic. Certainly a bit crazy now because the traffic lights are out and typical Johannesburg South African drivers tend to be pretty opportunistic whenever there's no clear go, no go. Not that that's really changed anything over the last little while, but certainly became a little bit more exciting. One of the other, uh, the gadget of the week again, and some interesting research came out recently about how a wearable does actually improve your fitness and does improve your health overall, is Fitbit. Now, Fitbit, again, interesting story around who and what they are. They were one, as far as I'm concerned, of the, the first and the best sports and health trackers in the market. They started off with simple sports tracking bands that, was, that had very little screens that just gave you the basic information with heart rate and steps, and that has evolved into very, very advanced functional smart devices, which are essentially smartphones, and they can track your stress, they can track your blood pressure, they can track all sorts of additional um, issues around what you're doing and where you are and <clears throat> what's happening with your, your health. And as I, as I alluded to earlier, what has happened is that there has now been some very clear research which shows that wearing a smartwatch does get you off the couch, does keep you moving. Everyone's talking about 10,000 steps here and there and everywhere. And um, they, they, they released their latest range of um, Fitbit devices at IFA. And I, was, I had time to play with some of them and I also had time to talk to Fitbit quite extensively about what's going on. Now, you may or may not know, but I have mentioned it on the show, so I'm not going to run a test now. But Fitbit was acquired by Google sometime in the last year. And they never, <clears throat> between Samsung and, interesting, Samsung is my gadget, another gadget that I want to talk about, the Watch 5 in a few minutes. But by acquiring Fitbit, they essentially Google became one of the major players in the sports tracker and health watch business. At the same time, they've got their own whole range of Google Wear smartwatch watches, which does a whole lot of the things that Fitbit does. Even though Fitbit was more competitive in some respects with Garmin, perhaps not as high-end as Garmin, and some other sort of really high-end sports watches. But for the average consumer, Fitbit hit that sweet spot between quality, functionality, and price. And their new Versa 4, the new Sense 2, and so many of their new um, their new trackers, 
the Inspire 3, have certainly continued to do exactly that. And the new products now, um, the Charge 5, for example, pricing is still under 4,000 Rand <clears throat> with nice new OLED screens and a lot more functionality. Their sort of sensor stack on the back of these devices pretty much the same across all of them except for the Versa because that has, um, you know, sort of other things that like blood pressure, which is not available in the simple in the simple um, tracker devices. But they have improved the quality, which was always a little bit of a challenge for me. Sometimes I found that they were a little bit flimsy and either the straps or the, the housings cracked. Haven't had those problems with the new versions yet. I haven't had them long enough to really understand to try that. And it's actually quite difficult to, to wear so many different watches um, at the same time. But the new, the new range, from all the way from the, the, the Inspire all the way up to the Versa, have definitely been more of an evolution than a revolution. The evolution and the revolution around, it's more, as I said, it's been more of an evolution currently. And with what I asked them at, 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 at IFA was where and how are Google going to handle having two different brands or two different sort of approaches to the market with with fit, with tracking fitness watches as compared to smartwatches, which they they work with many other partners and themselves. There is a Google smartwatch coming shortly. Um, Samsung's watches use fit, uh, use their smartwatch operating system, and so do many others in the market. So the simple answer was they're not entirely clear how the the Google takeover of, of Fitbit will pan out, but there are some significant changes coming in the nearest future. They will, I could not get them to, to explain any of those to me in any significant or meaningful way, but they believe that the, the, the Fitbit operating system and the Google Wear operating system is going to get a lot closer and you may see a lot more apps available on your, your, your Fitbit watch going forward. But simply put, for the price and for the performance, I believe that the Fitbit range of products are definitely better health trackers than the average smartwatch. You can sleep with them. The battery lives are extremely long in comparison to some of the smartwatches like the Apple Watch and even the Samsung Watch on the market. And the, the app in terms of health and outcomes in terms of fitness, sleep tracking, and all the other metrics um, are some of the best on the market. So I often get asked this question, you know, do you, what do you do? Do you buy a smartwatch like an Apple watch? Do you buy a Fitbit or a Garmin or something that's more sports focused? I suppose that comes down to what it is that you do. If you're very concerned about fitness and health, I would say that as much as the Apple watches and the Samsung watches um, have come a long way in that space, Fitbit still own the fit, the, the sports tracking space in a way that is subtle, but pretty profound. So check them out, they're in store now. I believe they are available very, pretty much everywhere. Um, and we'll be back with a little bit more of my hands-on with the Watch 5, the Samsung Watch 5, and my last little comments before the show ends as usual, far too quickly, straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And continuing the theme 
of smartwatches and health watches. Interestingly, at the same time, Samsung, last couple of weeks, launched their new Galaxy Watch 5. And right up front, I've been wearing it now for a couple of weeks. I've been using it along with the Fold and the S22 to just get a sense of how it goes. My first impression is this. If you have a Watch 4, not a lot worth upgrading for. But if you're in the space for an Android smartwatch and you are a Samsung user, this is the best Android smartwatch that I've played with. And all the reviews I've read globally are pretty much mirroring my um, impression of it. It's got a redesigned health sensor at the back, so it's flatter, it's smarter, it has more functionality. Um, right now, there's one function that they promise will come shortly with a software update that's skin temperature tracking, which is not active, but that brings it in in terms of heart pressure, uh, blood pressure and everything. It's all there. So the sensor is as advanced as any sensor on the market. And they've cleaned up the watch a lot. The straps are still not the greatest, but you can replace them for very nice straps. It's a standard type strap that you can get pretty much anywhere. And the overall look and feel is, is clean, polished, and it's very watchy. So it doesn't stand out. It's not a, a bulky uh, sports watch. It looks quite elegant to wear pretty much all the time. One of the things that has improved dramatically over any of the previous smartwatches of that nature that I've tried is their charging speeds. You can get within 15 minutes enough charge to easily go through a day. You can use it to sleep with because it's very comfortable. And because of smart charging or fast charging, you can quickly top it up and get through the next day easily with it, which really works very well. The latest version of Watch OS 3 from Google and all the Google functionality, which is available all the way down to Google Pay and Google Wallet is there. And the Google Assistant is now available rather than um, Samsung's own little sense one, which is a bit uh, really a bit retarded. Let's be be very blunt. The other big improvement is has a sapphire glass crystal on the front, which lacks scratching. And I'm a bit of a klutz. I tend to, you know, be very hard on my wearables and scratch them very easily and bang them a lot. And so far, so good. The sapphire crystal seems to stand up. The frame is aluminium, which is good. It stands up extremely, extremely well. The only real qualification I have, and I don't understand why they did this, all the advanced heart tracking and other functions only work with the, the Samsung phones. They do not work with other Android phones. I've tried. Apparently, I googled you can get um, some hacks to make it work, which means that I don't understand why they didn't allow it. But it's not practical um, for, for the average guy who's not using a Samsung. And the the sort of ECG heart tracking is really good, really useful, along with um, the, it has a body fat and blood pressure monitoring platform. Again, the blood pressure monitoring has to be calibrated with a cuff, so you have to pop into your doctor or local clinic to first calibrate your watch. But thereafter, it works extremely well, so you can see how stressed you are based on your blood pressure with by touching the two buttons and letting the watch do its thing. The same thing for body fat measurement. You have to take an external weight from a, a scale somewhere, but once you input that uh, and you use the two little sort of crowns to touch, you can measure your body weight extremely, extremely well and easily 
and and I compared it to some in-body, uh, you know, body fat percentage machines. And this, the Samsung on your hand, which costs a couple of hundred uh, or a couple of thousand rand as opposed to tens of thousand rands for a fancy in-body body fat tester, was within 0.1% or of, of body fat and other metrics were pretty much spot on. So incredibly useful if you want to track your body fat percentage. Now all you need is your weight. And again, all of that ties back into the, the health app that Samsung use and that's very good. My other little comment is they've removed the, the turning bezel, but if you slide your finger along the top, you can get all the same functionality. It's not obvious. It takes a little bit of time to get used to. And the the health tracking, the automatic health tracking, when you go for a walk and go for a swim or go for a run, um, does work, but it seems a little flaky. Every now and then, I, it just didn't work. And then you have to switch it on manually. And again, a little bit fiddly, find the Fitbit is a little bit more accurate that way. The Apple Watch is a little bit more accurate in that, that regard. But the visibility and the clarity of the screen, the ease of use of way the information is presented has really been quite a revelation. The screens are well-planned, well-designed. When you're training, you can see exactly what you need to see. The heart rate tracking, as long as the watch is snug, I found if it rides up your arm, it gives me crazy, like 200 beats per second. I thought I was going to expire, but it was actually 120. So you've got to make sure it's nice and snug on your arm. And um, overall, an excellent, excellent watch, an excellent device. And if you do have a four, maybe not with the upgrade, but if you're looking and you're in the Samsung ecosystem, this is a great, great smartwatch. It's fast, there's plenty memory, has great functionality. It works seamlessly with your Samsung device and most Androids with the exception of certain advanced functions. And the touch bezel is great, but not intuitive enough in my, my respect, but it is a great device. So stay tuned um, if anything more pops up. But overall, very pleased. And the fact that it's now Google with all the Google apps, you can its mapping is ex excellent. You can use it on your wrist when you're on a bike or wherever to send you wherever you want to go. Really cool. So overall, great watch from Samsung. Great update. And there are some special deals coming with um, Samsung phones where you can actually get the watch for free. So check that space. Lots happening in that regard. And before I wrap up, I have one last little heads up for all of you people who bank with Capitech. Capitech have announced an MVNO, which is a mobile virtual network. Basically, you can buy a SIM card from Capitech. It's called Capitech Connect. Mm -hmm. It's aimed, obviously, at, um, at their clients, but it has two features. One, the price per megabyte is pretty low, 4 and 50 with 45 Rand per gig of data. And they guarantee that your data and your minutes never expire. There's a flat rate. You use your data. It's not for a month. If you keep it for a year, it stays. It just does not expire. It's probably running pretty much on the Celsius and MTN networks, what are left to them. So I haven't quite found out which one they're working with, but I assume I'm pretty sure that those are the two. So if you're a Capitec um, uh, banker, here's a nice, great way to get pretty low-cost prepaid data and voice, and it never expires, which is great. It's good to keep a spare in the car. And on that note, I'm afraid we have to wrap up. Our time is up. This is Stephen Ambrose on Tech Talk. Till, the, till next week, same place, same time.